Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello, this is Sam Mazzaveis and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport where we look back on a weekend of FA Cup drama from the third round in the company of the assistant editor of The Mirror, Darren Lewis and TalkSport football correspondent, Alex Crook. Just as you think as Arsenal are about to get better, unstuck comes Arteta as the young guns have no... Greta? Uh, Lightning has struck twice for only the second time in 26 years. Arsenal have beaten in the third round of the FA Cup. Upsets galore as Cambridge graduates to the fourth round as Toon failed their latest exam. Kidderminster Harriers of the National League North cause a right royal stir. Caleb Richards on the far side, he's put the ball out of play and Gavin Ward has blown the whistle! And National League North Kidderminster Harriers have put out Championship Reading in the FA Cup third round. And there were a few nervy moments for Tottenham and Liverpool too, as well as pure panic amongst the Everton support before a Townsend tornado rescued Rafa. All this, plus the worst draw since Billy the Kid walked into the Maxwell Ranch, it's all on the ultimate review to all the weekend action that promises more hunger and desire than the Gunners. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. This is Game Day. Hello to Darren Lewis and Alex Crook. How are you? All right? Yeah, good. I'm a bit disconcerted about how bubbly and breezy and happy you are this yeah. morning. I don't like it because I'm, I don't know, I'm feeling a little bit grumpy oh, on, yeah. on this grey Monday morning. So your sunny outlook is, uh, yeah, not helpful. No, I feel very happy today. Uh, and welcome to a special FA Cup edition of the Game Day podcast. We've got a few emails in our mailbag, gents. Um, shall I start off? I've got one here from A. Stavely from Jesmond in the northeast. Says, I, I made a purchase as a Christmas present, but have lost the gift receipt. I know I can't get my money back, but can I trade Newcastle for Sunderland, please? <laughs> very good, very good. Oh, there's, there an up, some... there's another one here, actually, from the, uh, an Islington postmark, I think. It's an Islington postmark? Oh. Oh, no, that one's from 2018. Maybe they've just submitted the same excuses from four years ago. <laughs> um, and here's one. Uh, we seem to have intercepted this one from A. Conte to T. Ndombele. Although it does look like it's a bit of a copy and paste job. Hi, Diego. I hope you are well. Thanks for the time we spent together. Good luck for the next year, but you are not in my plan. <laughs> <laughs> See, too much time on your hands. Should we start with Newcastle? Because I was quite proud of my uh, sledging to a Newcastle friend of ours, Sam, at the weekend. I, I sent him a text, bang on the final whistle, and said, uh, you're supposed to be the richest club in the world and you can't even win the boat race, which I was quite proud of. Yeah. 
That's, that, that, that's another rubbish joke from you. In fact, didn't you do a couple of really bad jokes on the Darren Bent boot room on Sunday night? And they oh, played like not. a tumbleweed effect every time you tried to come up with something comedic. I just offered Darren Bent some uh, dust cleaner to uh, work his magic on the Arsenal trophy cabinet after they crashed out the FA Cup. <laughs> Oh dear. Okay. All right. Well, shall we get to it then? Because uh, we've got a very busy show. We've got to preview the three. Uh, oh, hold on. Uh, the two midweek Premier League games that are taking place this week. It is two. It is two, isn't it? It's two. Two. Yes. Okay. Cool. Hit the bullseye. Uh, but before that, let's get stuck into the big stories of the weekend from the FA Cup. There was Steve Cook, the did defend it, and then Johnson with a lovely turn of pace and a brilliant first touch can get Nottingham Forest going. And he's got support. Zink and Argyle, good save from Leno. Best chance of the night. Brilliant Nottingham Forest counter-attack. Now he's engaged by Colback, left-footed ball in towards Nketiah. And he's headed it across the face of goal and wide. That was a good chance. Four in the wall, set up by Bert Leno. And it is 30 yards from goal. Garner, right-footed, decent effort and well saved. Leno covered the ground to his right, beats it away. Colback then thought that he was fouled right on the left-hand edge of the penalty area as he chased the loose ball. Referee didn't agree and Arsenal will play out from the back. Now a chance for Forrest to win it back and bring it forward. First time ball inside the area, grab him! Well, he's waited 10 years for it, but boy, has he picked his moment! Right-footed ball inside the penalty area, and Lewis Graben slides it in! Nottingham Forest, the only side to have beaten Arsenal in the third round of the FA Cup in a generation! And are they about to show that lightning does strike twice? Nottingham Forest won Arsenal nil only twice in over a quarter of a century. 26 years to be exact. Have Arsenal been eliminated in the third round of the FA Cup? And both of them have come at Nottingham Forest. I mean, what was that performance all about, Darren? It was Arsenal being going back to being Arsenal again, just when you start to get a little bit enthusiastic about them, just when you start to be seduced by that performance against City in defeat. And suddenly they revert back to being the Arsenal of old, lacking hunger, desire, um, and maybe they they flattered to deceive in that City game. I think there is now so much pressure on Arteta because you can't just rely on promise. It's got to turn into something. And is he going to get a response in the Carabao Cup this week if he gets beaten in that competition? Remember, you know, Liverpool now off the pace in the title race. Uh, they will probably want to win this just to continue that whole culture of winning at the club and get some silverware in. Uh, and it's an easy one on the face of it. Then I think the pressure will really start to build on Arteta again. Yeah, and that is it, isn't it? You know, the fact that they've gone out of the FA Cup at the third round stage, Alex, and their limited sort of routes to silverware have, have started to close. It puts a hell of a lot of pressure on these two games with Liverpool. And this is why I don't understand the team selection. And I understand there were injuries, there were COVID cases where players were unavailable. There, obviously, Thomas Partey, among others, away at the African Cup of Nations. But Aaron Ramsdale should have played. Tierney should have played. Lacazette should have played. I mean, why would you start Eddie Nketiah, a player who clearly wants away from the football club, if not in this window, then in the summer? I mean, his performance, his body language was was terrible. Cedric Suarez, who could well be on his way to Atletico Madrid to replace Kieran Trippier, uh, was another who, for me, didn't look to be giving it 110%. And I said it on the boot room last night, and I've got to say the cult of Arteta uh, seems to have 
warp the mind of some Arsenal fans because they've got a lot of stick for it. But they can't afford to take liberties. They're not good enough to take liberties against a team away from home in the FA Cup like Nottingham Forest. And this is their best chance of silverware. That may seem churlish because they're in the semi-final of the League Cup. But if Liverpool go strong in that competition, they'll lose that semi-final. If Liverpool don't and they make it to the final, then they'll lose to Chelsea anyway. So the FA Cup can't be taken lightly for a club like Arsenal. I don't understand the, the team selection. Obviously, he made a big call taking off Tavares early on when he was struggling. What do you make of that, Crook? Well, I'm not sure it's a great look. I think it's Arteta trying to wield some power from the touchline. But what does it do to the confidence of Tavares, a player that he will need at some point between now and the end of the season? Well, I was going to say, you can only alienate a certain number of players, can't you? Yeah, and, 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 and Tierney has his injury problems. That's probably why he was rested uh, the weekend. But without Tavares, there isn't really any backup option. And I'll tell you what, also, I'm a bit bamboozled by the decision to send Ainsley Maitland-Niles out on loan at a time when Partey's away at the AFCON. Xhaka has tested positive for COVID again. If Cedric goes, then Maitland-Niles could have been a backup option at right back. Again, the squad's not deep enough for me to to afford to send out a utility player, someone who can fill in, in a lot he, he of positions. He spoke about that. He said it's not the only consideration that he has to make, though, the fact that it's um, they're light in that area, which it seems it's obviously a little bit weird to most of us, but obviously because it is quite a big consideration not having any players. Um, so can I just um, go look at the, the fixture list? Because if you look at the next three games, Liverpool in the Cup, Tottenham away Tottenham, from yeah. home, and then Liverpool in the league, I mean, that could be easily five defeats in a row. If you I mean, he might say that the last two games, he might say that that's why he picked the team that he did. I mean, but look, you know, they had no Aubameyang or Nani Pete, Aparte, Pepe, uh, all out for their AFCON. Gabriel was suspended. Jacker had COVID. Balogun had COVID. Smith Rowe had a tight groin. Tommy Yasu was a big miss. Always is a big miss. He's brilliant. Uh, tight right calf. Um, Chambers, M- Mari, Nketiah, Kalasanach, Mika, Bireth, Salaradine, Amari Hutchison and Charlie Patino all came into the squad this but, week. But, look, I must say, Sam, and we said a very similar thing to, to ch- about Chelsea, so we've got to be fair and even-handed. When you've spent as much money as Arsenal have, when you have the resources available to you that Arteta has, you can't offer excuses. There are no excuses at all. OK, all right, let's move on because uh, we, we've got loads to get through, but we should mention a bit about uh, Nottingham Forest. Steve Cooper did a brilliant job. He's done a brilliant job since he, he walked in the door. They were bottom of the table when he did. They're now ninth in the championship and they've just had a brilliant result against Arsenal. He deserves a bit of credit, Darren, doesn't he? Absolutely, he does. Plays really good football. It, it, I think they're not that far off the playoffs and they mm. look as though they're a team that likes to play football. It's terrific to see him getting the credit he deserves. Um, I didn't get this out during my ITV commentary yesterday and I was very disappointed was terrific, about it. Well, thank you very much. I love you. Um, Evangelist Marinakis, the owner of Forest, has put obviously a lot of cash into them. And it actually reminds me a little bit in terms of the investment of when... Do you, you remember when the ITV digital crash happened and Portsmouth put in money when everybody else sort of backed off a little bit because they were worried about the finances and Portsmouth had a result of that and a massive change and got up into the Premier League and stayed there for a while as a result of that and it reminds me a little bit like this the Covid crisis a lot of owners have sort of scaled back a little bit and he has put money in because he wants to try and push Forrest on they may well get up this season Uh, but the most interesting fact I found out about uh, Evangelos Maranakis over the last week whilst doing my research was he's got a number of business interests but last year he also wrote the lyrics to a Greek pop song which had nearly, 
nearly 5 million views when I checked it out on YouTube this morning. That's yeah. pretty impressive, isn't it? Too, too much time on your hands to, to, <laughs> to look at some Greek pop song on YouTube when the rest of us are, are trying to fill radio bulletins, trying to fill newspapers, honestly. To be fair, Crook, I'm quite disappointed he didn't, didn't recruit you after your vocals last week and the week before. Very true. <laughs> this is very true, Darren. I've lost my true calling in life. Uh, but yeah. no, great credit to Forrest. And I was pleased for Steve Cook as well, uh, one of the good guys, obviously yeah. leaving... AFC Bournemouth as a club legend. He was immense at the heart of that Forest defence. He was. Newcastle nil, Cambridge won. How do you solve a problem like Newcastle? Call for Ironside. He detected a weakness in the Newcastle defence and bought the tune down. One for the older listener. Uh, but what a story. Uh, this multi-billion pound outfit, name a strong team. You can imagine the boy Howe thinking about getting players in, selling the, them the project, saying, yeah, we're struggling for relegation, but hey, we're in the cup and we've got loads of new faces coming in. Ah, uh, But before they even start, really, they get knocked out of the cup. But all for full credit to Cambridge, whose goalie, Dimitar Mitov, was absolutely outstanding. I know, Crook, you, you spoke to their captain or you spoke to one of their players, didn't you, on Sunday night? Uh, yeah, we did. And he mentioned the goalkeeper. That save from Joe Ellington at the end of the game was, was a match-winning save, really. And I think in order for a lower division team to pull off an FA Cup shock, you need your goalkeeper to be on the top of his game. And he was because Newcastle had a lot of goal-scoring opportunities. But there's two scores of thought when it comes to this Newcastle defeat. And again, uh, one Newcastle fan texted me back and said, I'm glad we're out of the FA Cup. We can focus on the league. I understand that. But the second school of thought is what does this do for morale and for confidence of a team who are fighting for their lives at the bottom of the Premier League table? It was a very strong side that Eddie Howe named. That isn't always the case with Eddie Howe in the early rounds of the FA Cup. Clearly, he wanted to go through, probably for the reasons that you suggested. And I think, again, it lays bare that Newcastle don't need two or three additions in this transfer window. They probably need six or seven. And they are struggling. We're recording this uh, podcast on Monday morning. I've got a list here of what we can expect from Newcastle this week. I think they are going all out now to get Sven Botman from Lille. I'm expecting a, a third bid to go in for him. They're going to have to pay in excess of £40 million. Chris Wood at Burnley, someone on their list, but the Clarets not willing to do business with a relegation rival. Todd Campwell, someone else that Eddie Howe is a big admirer of. And they're still in for the severe centre-back Diego Carlos as well. So I think it could be a big week because they've got Watford at the weekend and they want to go into that game with as strong a lineup as possible. But they are struggling to get deals over the line. And maybe that's partly because they still haven't really got a full-time sporting director. I know Nicky Hammond is there on a temporary basis, but it still seems strange to me, Darren. They didn't have the sporting director in place even before they appointed a manager. Yeah, Darren, they need a new goalie as well, don't they? Being the goalkeeper had another aberration on Saturday. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I do have a little bit of a bee in my bonnet about Newcastle in so much as Trippier joins and everyone, uh, including the managers, pushing this idea he didn't join for the money, um, which is just laughable you know, because everybody knows that if you go to Newcastle right now, you're joining for the money. And it, it, if you look at Trippier, he wouldn't have joined in the summer. And he wouldn't have joined now if they didn't have the ownership they have. Sven Botman said he's got no interest in joining. What are they using to try and persuade him to come? The money, both for his club and in terms of the package for him. And Crook, you're right. That team cannot stay up. That team is lack. It can't defend. It can't score goals. And they need at least, I would say, I think you're right, six players, including a goalkeeper. If they don't get that by the end of this window, they're down. I'm amazed they haven't already got at least three or four signings in, given that they knew the problems, they had the time. The fact that they haven't got a sporting director sums up the chaos at Newcastle, and I think it will get worse before it gets better. Yeah, but I know they spoke to Michael Emilalo about coming in to be the sporting director, yeah. and he yeah, walked away because he, he he looked at the 
them and spoken to them. He thought, nobody knows what the hell's going on here and there's not enough direction from the top, so I'm not going to get involved in this. He's a good operator. He knows how to do the job, but he's not going to do it for them. You know, it's not it's not going to happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, th- there is a problem there. Um, let's move on to Kidderminster Harriers, probably one of the biggest headlines of the week. They beat Reading by two goals to one. Um, the names Amari Morgan-Smith and Sam Austin will go down in kiddie folklore as they become one of the two non-league clubs in the fourth round of the FA Cup, the other one being uh, Boreham Wood. Um, two terrible goals from Reading's point of view. A mistake by the goalie Raphael, the mother of all scrambles, and a right royal rumble, if you will, in the 15 minutes of stoppage time. Alex? Yeah, I heard uh, Max Rushton on TalkSport on Sunday describe the winner as a try, and I can see where he's coming from. He's just a pile of bodies trying to get that ball <laughs> over the line. And I do wonder if there was VAR in play at Agbra, would it have possibly been ruled out for a foul on the goalkeeper? But he had a nightmare, didn't he, Raphael? Made one stunning save in the first half and then probably was culpable for both goals because it was him misjudging across into the area that actually led to the corner for the winning goal in, in the first place. But just great scenes. Kidderminster Harry is a famous name from the FA Cup past and ultimately I think they wanted it uh, more than Reading did. And you mentioned how bad the draw is for round four. Well, <laughs> Kidderminster probably the exception to that rule. West Ham at home, guaranteed television game and just what you want in the FA Cup for for our non-league against Premier League and West Ham won't relish going there. Yeah, 115 places between them in the in the pyramid as we speak, Darren, and that is what the FA Cup is all about. And we did say at the top, the, top, the draw is terrible. It really was. I mean, we sit there, obviously, we've got a vested interest because we're picking the games for the next round and we want some cracking matches. I mean, there was only one game in town at the end of that. Was like, well, we've got pick one for this round. We'll be having that. Thank you very much. So we'll see you on the Friday night. Yeah, I mean, yeah. listen, they're the, the, the lowest club, I think they're the lowest ranked team left in the competition. Yeah, yeah, they? yeah, definitely. Um, and I was listening to Russell Penn talking about it and saying, you know, this really is what the FA Cup is all about. Not, you know, the, the clubs going to Premier League sides, going up and then basically ultimately being slaughtered. Uh, this is what it's all about, being able to stand up to be counted. He talked about his phone going into meltdowns, talked about sweating hot and cold uh, all day, worrying about the draw. But the draw is a terrific one. The only sad thing in my view is that this West Ham, this West Ham is yeah. not like the flaky West Hams of the past. They all graft for David Moyes. They'll work hard. And if there's a team that will go there and get down and dirty with Kidderminster Harriers, it's West Ham at the moment. OK, so before we move on then, let's just do a quick bit on West Ham to Leeds, Neil. Not the most greatest game and it's not the most important uh, one of the weekend. But very quickly, let's talk about that first goal, right? Because according to the VR hub, and we've spoken to them, they say that Jared Bowen and Antonio were offside when the ball was initially played by Vlasic, but their movements and actions did not interfere with the goalkeeper's ability to make a save. The phase was then reset, and when Vlasic plays the ball again, Bowen was in an onside position. We then asked for clarification because clearly Bowen did impede the goalkeeper, um, and we got this back. Both the VAR and the AVAR both considered that the movement and actions of Jared Bowen did not clearly impact the ability of the goalkeeper to make a save. Now, far be it for me to cry BS, but that's exactly what my reaction is to that. So I thought I'd contact uh, a Premier League official who uh, takes uh, a keen interest in these matters and does a lot of Premier League matches. So I said to him, you know, what did you make of it? And this is what I got back. Well, it is a difficult one for the officials but it's offside. 
Basically, the offence occurs as soon as Bowen, from an offside position, initially challenges the keeper. He's close enough to be deemed challenging, even though he doesn't touch the ball. Everything that happens subsequently is irrelevant. No goal. I mean, I thought it was pretty clear. I, I watched it once and thought, well, yeah. that's offside. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I know Leeds fans are very unhappy because clearly that was a, a game-changing incident. I think West Ham were the better team over the course of the 90 minutes. They named the stronger lineup and that show. But it's, it's a big moment, isn't it? Especially uh, coming so close before half-time. It's a VAR error. So, so, so basically <laughs> what we're saying, that even it. if there was VAR at Agba, they'd probably have got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, when, quite, poss- quite possibly. When you said um, that you consulted the uh, the referees and what you got back was this, I expected you to play the Benny Hill theme tune because <laughs> literally they'd run around <laughs> trying to fight fires and cover their backs instead of having the, the humility to say we were wrong. Sometimes it's okay to say we were wrong. Uh, but what happens is, and I saw it in a game with West Ham Brighton earlier this season where Jared Gillett was a VAR and he basically said there was an offside and he was the only person that would have seen it. It was neither clear, it was neither obvious, but yet again, as they have done on a number of occasions this season, they make things up as they go along. Um, It doesn't have to be clear and obvious to be an offside decision. And offside is a matter of fact, it's geography. So you either are or not. Well, it wasn't. Well, he was the only person who saw it to be offside because the ball came last off Shane Duffy. Uh, So the goal did stand, should have stood, but it was chalked off. Okay, right. Well, we should do honourable mentions for Barrow and Barnsley, who played out the best game of the weekend. Nine goal thriller. And Boreham Wood, Luke Garrard, who I've got to know over the last couple of weeks. Um, brilliant. Maintained their unbeaten um, season so far at home. They beat Wimbledon and have got a trip to Bournemouth in the next round. Not the best draw that they could have imagined, but still, do you know what? They've got every chance, haven't they? Because if Scott Parker puts out a weakened team in that, then things could change. You know, they could get through to the fifth round. Yeah, but then he put out a weakened team against Yeovil and Bournemouth made pretty light work of them away from home. Don't I think ruin they, the dream. Well, I, th- I think Miserable. there's enough quality in that, in that Bournemouth squad to win even with a scratch side. But I, I wonder, will this game make the, the, the television cut anyway? Not Non-league team away from home against Championship. It's, it's a tough one, but given the draw is so bad, draw is so what bad. chance is it? Yeah, it's definitely got a chance because there's so many games that are available for TV. So um, I think the BBC have picks two and three. So it's possible. It's possible. Forest, I mean, no... Forest Leicester will be a TV game. Forest Leicester's yeah, a great game. So. A great yeah. game, yeah. So I think that'll probably be in the the, 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 the second or the third pick. Tottenham Brighton, maybe. Chance of an upset. Tottenham I think there's out. an Everton game, I thought. Everton, is it Everton Brentford? Yeah. yeah. I thought that one might be quite a big one because lots of people watch Everton. And, um, you know, they're under serious pressure. So that could be another one as well. Be interesting. The picks will come out. The magic of the cup, Everton-Brentford, two Premier League sides playing against each other. Sums up the rubbish draw. Sums up the rubbish draw, doesn't it? I mean, Cambridge got Luton. I mean, that's the last thing you wanted. I mean, sometimes I just think, we should probably fix it. <laughs> I'm not sure we should be advocating that. On an award-nominated game day podcast, you mentioned that. I can't believe you're not shoehorned it in. We need we need votes. All right, okay, yeah. So we've been nominated for uh, one of the best sports podcasts. We can't quite believe it, uh, but we are delighted to have been included in the Sports uh, Podcast Awards uh, as one of the best uh, football podcasts. So thank you very much for everybody 
who uh, nominated us and has voted for us so far. Um, Alex has, has put it on his Twitter about 400 times. So believe me, if you want to find out how to vote for us, it's very easy. Just go to Crook's uh, Twitter and he has explained it in detail. But we would love you to vote for us because, uh, listen, the, the only reason we do it is for you. And we we love it. We love doing it. We have great fun doing it. And uh, we're very, we feel very privileged that we've been a, a, a nominated for an award. It's very, It's been very nice. And we want to beat Jamie Carragher. And we, <laughs> shush, don't say it like that. But we really do want to beat Jamie Carragher. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. FA Cup weekend is about to start and unfold on TalkSport. Wormwood 1, AFC Wimbledon nil. It was brilliant work from Reese in midfield. He played the ball through to Tyro Marsh. He managed to lose his marker. In fact, the Wimbledon defence wasn't really there. He cut on his right foot and slammed the ball past Zanev. If you don't enjoy football, if you don't enjoy the FA Cup, honestly, I don't know what's the matter with you. Goal action and it's Kidderminster Harriers 2. Reading 1, can you believe it? 78 places in the football pyramid and Kidderminster Harriers are now eight minutes away plus time to be added on from the fourth round of the FA Cup. Newcastle United out of the FA Cup, finished at St James's Park. It's the shock of the round, Newcastle nil, Cambridge won. You have to love the FA Cup. You have to love the third round. This could all be over in minutes now. Burnley 1, Huddersfield 2. And the National League side have a second. It's Borenwood 2, AFC Wimbledon 0. And he's just come onto the pitch a matter of minutes ago. Adrian Clifton with what could be the goal that sends Borenwood into the fourth round of the FA Cup for the first time in their history. Robin! Well, he's waiting 10 years for it, but boy, has he picked his moment. Right-footed ball inside the penalty area, and Lewis Graben slides it in. Nottingham Forest, the only side to have beaten Arsenal in the third round of the FA Cup in a generation. And are they about to show that lightning does strike twice? I put a spell on you, 
Hartlepool 2, Blackpool 1. 51 places separated these two before kickoff, but this was a cracker and a victory for Hartlepool that earns them a place in round four and a tie away at Selhurst Park. I mean, brilliant for Hartlepool uh, to get past uh, Blackpool, um, Darren, but uh, I think the, the highlight of the weekend was actually the fact that the highlights we got on Match of the Day had the Hartlepool local radio commentary on it. Um, and just the, the, the giddiness that surrounded that commentary was was fabulous. You know, but in a way, I love that because yeah. I think sometimes you, you, I don't think in this industry that is basically taken up by the stellar names more and more that we get enough of what it means to the smaller club and the local community. And I think that commentary summed up absolutely what it did mean. The absolute elation, the money spinning potential, the joy at that level of being able to do what the FA Cup promises so often it can do, but yeah. doesn't. I really, really enjoyed it. Well, it was a weekend of upsets, wasn't it? And this was one of the biggest, actually. And it goes under the radar because it's Hartlepool, Blackpool, and people don't really sort of associate that as a, as a massive giant killing. But 51 places, that is that is big. And the winning goal was scored by 18-year-old Joe Gray, who comes out of Wall's End Boys Club. I mean, Shane Lavery did miss about 27 chances uh, from point-blank range in this game. But it is a brilliant story. Yeah, and even more so when you look at the Blackpool team, I think they only made one change from their last championship lineup. So certainly Neil Critchley took it seriously and was devastated at the end of the game when they conceded that late winner. But yeah, another great FA Cup story with a teenager coming off the bench to get the winner and you know it was just it was a weekend of fabulous stories fabulous goals as well you mentioned that that game involving Barnsley and Barrow the, the strike into the top corner from Devante Cole his dad a former FA Cup winner I think that went a little bit under the radar as well so listen we're, we're bemoaning the draw for round four but who knows you, you just never know with the FA Cup I'm sure it will throw up plenty of uh, thrills and spills on TalkSport Mansfield did really well they went 2-0 down against uh, Middlesbrough came back to 2-2 and they <laughs> lost in the that sixth own goal. minute of injury time to an own goal by John Joe O2 oh, oh. Well, Sam while you're talking about that can you talk about the fascination of um, lower league teams trying to play out from the back getting caught, getting punished. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can I do? Can we do that a little bit later on? Because I'm going to yeah. talk about Swindon in just a moment. Uh, and that obviously forms the whole of the Swindon debate. John, um, uh, should we do it now? Let's do it now. I went to that game, Swindon against Manchester City, right? And Ben Garner, I'd spoken to him in the week. And he's the manager, the head coach of Swindon. And I said to him, you know, I know that you like to play out from the back and whatever, and you're progressive, but obviously against Manchester City, you're going to have to change that slightly. And he said to me, I'm not going to sacrifice any principles. And then there was this big alarm bell going off in the background of my head saying, I understand that, but I'm not saying that I know more than him. I don't know more. He's very pro-license holder coach, young, very gifted coach, brilliantly ambitious, worked under some great managers and will go on to be a very good manager. But... I just don't think his his team got that you have to mix it up when you're being pressed by the best team in the world. And I, I it, 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 they had two moments. I, I don't know if you're watching, Darren, but they had two moments before they conceded the first goal, which came because they gave the ball away very cheaply trying to play out from the back. And then they did it again. And it was kind of like, well, you know, you, you are the masters of your own downfall here. Yeah, it kind of said to me that it was a team really that was treating the game as a learning experience rather than any real belief that they could win uh, the tie because 
I think when you make that many mistakes, you're kind of asking to be beaten, which is exactly what happened. I think the sides that did pull off upsets, they were pragmatists. They played the percentages. They knew when to keep the ball. They knew when to release the ball. The decision-making was terrific. The sides that were put to the sword, they were basically masters of their own downfall in many respects. Even if you look at, for example, Morecambe, when they played Spurs, you know, all three of the goals were preventable, but they're all mistakes. They're all self-inflicted. Um, and I think once the equaliser went in, they too treated it like a learning experience. It was interesting because Nottingham Forest basically won the game at, um, at home to Arsenal because they were pragmatic and they weren't trying to do what they usually do, which is play out from the bank and create chances. They were just a little bit more standoffish, just try to keep Arsenal arms left and then counter-attack when they could. You were just about to say something about when you were at school, which is probably about 30 years ago, but go on. I'm sure it's <laughs> well, relevant. Yeah. When, when I was at school, the worst outfield player got stuck in goal and I think that's still the case you know I mean Jack Butland exhibit A and the goal that he gave away (laughs) in that game at the Den (laughs) I don't understand like Darren this fascination not just with teams playing their way out from the back but goalkeepers all of a sudden thinking they're the best player on the pitch and they can they can do whatever they want he just panicked mate I was at that game Millwall versus Crystal Palace I was lucky I've been to four FA Cup ties this weekend right And, and the Millwall Palace game he panicked he absolutely and I understand why because it was horrible. It was deafening. It was smothering. You could not breathe. I couldn't... There was a, a point in the first couple of seconds where I, I completely... My brain was fogged because we had a, a flare going off one side. We had noise going off the other side. There was firecrackers everywhere. There, it was just, You couldn't hear yourself. It was ear-splitting. Brilliant. It was right over... Well, do you know what? I think that's a cliche because I don't think it was brilliant. And I'm not... And I don't mean, and I don't mean to be... Because it wasn't a, it wasn't a jubilant FA Cup atmosphere. It was a horrible, nasty edge. I didn't like it. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was a good atmosphere. I thought it was a horrible atmosphere. Just to be clear, we're talking about Millwall Palace. Yeah, Palace. Yes, yes, I agree. I, agree. I, I thought it was I horrible. I, I don't think it was very nice at all. It wasn't very FA Cup. Um, I think. I just think it was. I just thought. I thought it was toxic, and I didn't. And I and I and I don't think we should be proud of that. I don't think that someone getting Barrett like um, Patrick Vieira got Barrett. I went down to the touchline, did the interviews afterwards, and I had fans behind me screaming abuse at me, at the TV interviewer, That's Antoine. That's fair enough. Screaming abuse at you is okay. <laughs> and at Patrick but Vieira. Yeah, but Sam, just, Sam, you are you know. right. Mateta got abuse. Um, which one of the players got a bottom? Conor, Ga- Conor Gallagher um, got homophobic abuse. Homophobic abuse. You know, I mean... It's just... The, 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 we always have to say it is a section of the Millwall support. It's not all of the Millwall support. We always have to add the rider. I know for a fact the club work incredibly hard. Incre- there was a, a, a page in the match day program. You're hurting yourselves if you boo. Please don't boo the knee. They work so hard at that club. But there is just a core of that support that will not be told. And I, I, sadly, I think that core deserves to be punished. Not the rest of the fan base, but that core is shaming the club. Mm. And Michael Aliso was terrific in that game, by the way. Oh. And what a fantastic goal. And he almost got another identical one, cutting in on his left foot and curling it towards the, the far post. And it crashed off the post and came back out again. I mean, there was a moment at the end where Millwall actually threatened to get an equaliser. And the Millwall players were brilliant. They, uh, it was a really good game. And Gary Rowett did a brilliant job in causing, using the atmosphere, I suppose, to his advantage to cause uh, Crystal Palace uh, grief. But uh, yeah, I, I, I can't sit there and say it was 
fantastic, wonderful FA Cup atmosphere because it wasn't. That would not be telling the truth, I don't think, no. from the experience that I had uh, at the game. Um, Burnley won Huddersfield 2. Sean Dyche's side knocked out by Huddersfield of the Championship. Burnley have won two games all season and one of those was against Rochdale. Yes, they had injuries, seven out with the virus, but since the new fella brought the club last January, promising, you've never seen ownership like this in the Premier League, they've made two signings. Well, we have actually seen ownership like this before. We've seen it quite a lot, actually. Many owners that turn up, promise loads and fail to deliver. This list is very, very long and you've just joined it, mate. I think they're going to go down, Burnley. Um, That's a bold <laughs> prediction. They're in the bottom two and they've won yeah. two games all season. Well and I, and I, don't, I don't think they'll get out of it. And again, f- for the same reasons that I uh, mentioned about Newcastle, it's a confidence-draining defeat against Huddersfield. Uh, it was quite an ugly win. Um, Huddersfield quite direct, almost playing Burnley at their own game when you look at the, the winning goal. But again, it doesn't say much for the squad depth of Burnley. But You've isn't the problem, lived- Crook, that they've stopped being Burnley? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And maybe they need to get back to that nasty streak. But I just think there's too many players there who, who've run their course. I mentioned about Chris Wood being linked with Newcastle. That probably won't happen um, this month, but I'm sure he would jump at the chance to get away from turf more. Tarkovsky actually missed a, a good chance with a header from a set piece. Clearly will leave in the summer. Haven't they got loads of players, of players out of contract? Yeah, and that group of players have been together a long time. And I think actually Sean Dyche has reached the end of the road uh, turf more as well. I think he probably reached the end of the road 18 months ago. He's done fantastic things for that football club, but there comes a time when you get fed up as a player with the same voice in the dressing room. So I think there needs to be a big cultural reset at Burnley, regardless of if they stay up or go down. But at the moment, I would say along with Norwich, they're probably favourites to drop. Yeah, and uh, Sean Dyche, you're saying that he's come to the end of the road. Actually, did he come to the end of the road earlier in the season? And, 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 and is the problem, the reason that he hasn't been taken on, Darren, by somebody else, the fact that his wages are astronomical? I think it's £8 million he's on there. Only partly. Um, I mean, to be fair, he deserves that £8 million for the job he's done keeping that club in the Premier League because, to be honest with you, they they are punching above their weight. And I'm not sure too many other managers could keep that club in the Premier League. But I think you know my old saying, if you circle the drain long enough, eventually you're going to go down. And I think you look at those players, even you know how much I think about Corney, the left back. I think a bigger club will take him. I think all the other players who have contracts running out will leave if Wood goes to Newcastle. I'm not sure that'll be that big of a miss as he hasn't scored that many goals so far this season, but Tarkovsky will be a big miss and the other players that leave will basically leave the club bare. I think they're going going to go down, like Crook says, and I think it might be a while before they come back. A quick word for Sorber Thomas of Huddersfield, who got his 10th and 11th assist of the season. He is now level with Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, across England's four divisions to have 11 assists. That's quite outstanding uh, from him. Uh, Plymouth won away at Birmingham, who are a division above. A screamer from Ryan Law. But uh, Birmingham struggling a little bit, dropping like a stone in the league. Uh, They need some new uh, recruits. Hull 2, Everton 3. I'm not sure this will relieve any pressure uh, on uh, Everton. An extra time win at Hull for the Goodison Park outfit. Only a second win in 13 games for Rafa. It started badly, got worse. They recomposed themselves and got out of jail thanks to a wonder goal from Andros Townsend, who has been working really hard to get back to help out. Yeah, but it's a significant win for, for Everton. I mean, when they conceded so early, you, you feared the worst. You feared the word for 
you feared the worst for Rafa Benitez as well because we know the, the knives are already out amongst the Everton faithful. So it, it was a good show of character uh, to get that win. Again, a hostile atmosphere away from home. I actually uh, exchanged a couple of messages with one of the Everton players on Saturday night and the feeling I got was that there was relief uh, in the dressing room as much as joy that they managed to get into the fourth round of the FA Cup. And I think this is a competition that they're going to have to take seriously because as I mentioned on last week's pod, they're not going to go down despite their poor run of form. They're not going to challenge the European places. So they need uh, to keep uh, the Wolves at bay when it comes to Benitez. They need to go deep into the draw. Does Asmir Begovic think he should have stopped that uh, effort in the first minute? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then, you know, Everton are, are Everton. There are lots of people who should have done this and should have done that at Everton. And that's the reason why they are where they are at the moment. Lots of underachievement at the club. And just moving towards the Premier League, I think they're, what, they're six points off, seven, eight points off the relegation zone. I think, and it's a big call, but I think that they're going to get sucked into relegation trouble. They are not good enough. And even bigger. No, they're not going to get sucked into relegation trouble. I think they will. They cannot defend. They simply cannot defend. They got 19 Um, points already. I mean, yeah, that's from the early part of the season. That's not from the last two or three months. At the moment, they have a mistake in them in every game. And they're very, very lucky that Townsend came up with that late strike. I think they're in big, big trouble. Okay, let's turn our attention to what's going to happen in uh, midweek in the Premier League. Uh, A midweek chance to catch up on some rejigged Premier League fixtures that were postponed. Everton against Leicester is supposed to be on Tuesday night, but the league have had to uh, turn 180 degrees uh, and call it off again. Um, That looks good. Why has it happened, Crook? Well, you know I never want to say I told you so, but I did. (laughs) Um, listen, first of all, we should point out in the interest of balance, there's no correlation, direct correlation between the Everton, between the Leicester players going on a jolly to Alexandra Palace and this game being called off. But from a PR perspective, I maintain it's an absolute disaster for Leicester and for Brendan Rodgers. But I think as much as anything, this is a, a Premier League problem uh, more than a Leicester City problem because Leicester were able to field a team good enough to beat Watford in the FA Cup at the weekend. So why can't they put the same team out in the Premier League? Why did the Premier League change their rule book going into the FA Cup weekend to say that players who make their debut in the FA Cup wouldn't count as players with first-team experience for the next round of Premier League fixtures? It makes no sense to me. Because in the Premier League, Leicester, you require 13 players plus a goalkeeper. But they, but clearly they have 13 players. They might not be 13 established players. Uh, first team players they can put a team out and I think there's a lot of disharmony now in the Premier League big splits even between clubs about games being postponed and I think there's a viewpoint from a lot of clubs the show just has to go on and if that means dipping into the under 23s if that means putting 16 year olds on the bench you have to do that I mean look I I think what with my news head on uh, I know that people with only a passing interest in the game who don't know the nuance would agree with you Crook in so much as there isn't a correlation, as you rightly, uh, correctly pointed out, between the darts and, and, and the COVID. But the fact is that from the outside, they've made a PR fail yeah. and they've shot themselves in the foot. Because totally. I think people will look at the two things and then they'll see Leicester basically talking about the COVID cases within the camp and saying, well, why did you go? So although they may get on the defensive about that, it's not a good look and... 
again, if you're able to then turn around and say, we want to progress in the FA Cup, we'll get a side out, you get a side out, you'll win. People then lack sympathy for what you're trying to do. Can I also say that it also highlights, and, and Crook sent me a message really late last night, when I think almost as a mistake really, but you were sort of, you were surprised that the official statement included the words and players that have gone to the Africa Cup of Nations. And I, and I kind of sort of understand where you're coming from, but I think it just underscores the fact that the Africa Cup of Nations is not treated with the same level of respect as another international tournament. They should have. They've got... A, they have... We, we have an international break which is taking place at the end of this month, right? It is happening because South American players, Asian players, and I suppose they're taking into consideration the latter stages of the Africa Cup of Nations, are going away to play World Cup qualifiers, right? Why not make that a two-week break at the time, the first week, couple of weeks of the Africa Cup of Nations, if you can't fit in the whole thing, right? Why not have the first two weeks when the group stages are, ha- are happening and you've got loads of players that are being drawn from all over the world going to play in the Africa Cup of Nations? Why not have the two-week break then? Then less games are affected by the absences of those players that are participating. Because you know, towards the end of the tournament, you'll have players that come back and whatever and get involved or whatever. So there won't be as many people involved in the last two weeks as there was in the first two weeks. So why don't you just make that provision? I don't get it. I don't know why, they, especially in COVID times, when you know that squads are going to be stretched, it, it will add an extra week onto the season, possibly. Or you might have to use a midweek to catch up or whatever. It is not impossible to do that. I think as as more journalists and players become empowered to speak on this, and ex-players as well, there'll be more pressure on the clubs to have to address this in a more constructive way. As things stand, it's a mess, and the players are the ones who are being punished for the inability to treat the competition with respect and do the kind of common sense thing that you've just outlined just there. I think as far as the players are concerned, they will exercise their right going forward to go. And the clubs, unless they can come to some sort of solution that works for everyone, they're going to be the ones who lose out. Notice that Watford played more games, by the way, with this Mela Saar uh, over the last couple of weeks, well, since we've been talking about uh, the Africa Cup of Nations. Anyway, we'll move on from that. Southampton against Brentford is on Tuesday night. I'm going to this game. I'm going to do it live for Talk Sport. Uh, what can I expect when I get down there, Crookie? Uh, we could probably expect James Ward-Prowse to play at right back because Southampton have got uh, a bit of a crisis in that position. But again, Got to their off. credit, well, again, to their credit, <laughs> they're not one of the teams who are pushing for postponements. They believe in their squad and they believe they need to utilise it. So I think they do. Is there any danger of being deserve. called off? Because I've got to get a four and a half hour train. And if I get on that train and then I can't get off again, I'm going to be annoyed. So you know, I'm, Welcome to the world of the football support. This is not, this is not going to be, I'm not going to be happy about this. I, I don't think so, not unless Brentford uh, push for it to be postponed. I don't see Southampton uh, doing that. But this is uh, it's a game that's been given a little bit of extra spice uh, because of the Southampton takeover, because Rasmus Ankerson, uh, very much part of uh, oh, yeah. Brentford's rise to the Premier League, now has his foot in the opposition camp. We were speaking to Ralph Hasenhutl uh, on Monday morning, and I know he's been sounding out Rasmus Ankerson for a bit of inside knowledge on the Brentford team. So I'm quite looking forward to this. Um, it will be interesting to see how Southampton can Brentford's aerial bombardment because you know I've been uh, quite outspoken on the direct approach we say from the bees yeah which they didn't do in the in the Aston Villa game and, and managed to win uh, but, but would you feel conflicted if you were Rasmus Ankerson about possibly divulging the many secrets that you've uncovered uh, at Brentford to your new team or is that just part of the responsibility when you switch jobs 
it's part of the responsibility when you switch jobs. It is a quirk of fate that this is the first uh, Premier League game, the first home game since the takeover. Of course, it was one that was postponed earlier in the season. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, but listen, it gives you a nice little narrative uh, because on the face of it, it's maybe not the most glamorous Premier League fixture that you'll commentate this season. It's the only Premier League fixture on Tuesday night now. So it is the most glamorous one on Tuesday, that's for sure. Uh, the most glamorous one. On Wednesday night, is West Ham against Norwich. Norwich were struggling to beat Charlton, and the last time that these two met, 18 months ago, Mikel Antonio scored four goals. I bet you can't wait for them to arrive at the London Stadium this week. And I was in the trucks at Forest yesterday with some of the ex-pros who have got nothing but praise for West Ham United and the way they go about their business, the way they've operated, approached everything under David Moyes. Team selection, the way they tackle every competition, the way they tackle every match. is nothing short of spot on. I think... West Ham will win this game easily. Not Old shout. Oh, 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 <laughs> Burnley might get relegated. <laughs> will. Will, I think I said. There are specific reasons why. Not just because they are the better side and defensively they're better, but Michael Antonio, you mentioned, since those goals, he signed a new contract. He lost his form for a while, but he's back in business you see from the way that he's playing that sparkle is back. And I think in this second half of the season, he's going to continue to fill his boots. But I'm more concerned with West Ham about the fact that they haven't yet made the signings I thought they would already be in the market to do. I don't think they're good enough to be able to wait until the end of the window to try and pick up a bargain. Their squad is really stretched at the moment and they need another striker. Why? Antonio played nearly every minute of yesterday's game. He came off in injury time yesterday. He's the only striker they've got. They've got no one else who is going to get you 10, 15 goals a season. They got to get someone in to relieve the pressure on him. Otherwise, I think their ambition might, well, it might be fanciful. Um, are they going to dip into the championship again, uh, Crook? Because one of the things that I think David Moyes has done very, very well is he's realised that the market is completely skewed and the, the, the top-end big-name players cost far too much money for the, in terms of the relationship between what they cost and the impact they give is not as dramatic as if you dip into the championship and you buy a, a very, very good championship player for a lot less money and bring them into your Premier League squad, has, as has been shown by Antonio, as has been shown by Jared Bowen, as has been shown by... Even someone like um, uh, Craig Dawson, who came in when they were thinking about spending £30 million on James Tarkovsky and actually in the end got someone very, very, very cheap, who probably has done just as good a job. Yeah, and it's about character as much as, as footballing ability. And when you recruit someone like Jared Bowen from the Championship, for example, he's so grateful to get his chance in the Premier League that he's going to be a good pro. He's going to hang on the manager's every word and he's going to run himself into the grounds. He does... Uh, week in, week out. I think there is a glowing clamour, by the way, for Jarrah Bowen to be considered for the England World Cup squad. I know there's a lot of competition in, in that England area. World Cup squad, probably a problem. That's probably a problem. Yes. Listen, on form, you know, he's he's right up there for me. No, he isn't. Uh, but it, but in terms of he in isn't. terms of possible, what do you mean he isn't? Well, he isn't. He's on form. Is he better than Sterling on form? <coughs> if you look at the season as a whole, I would probably say he's had a better season than Raheem. So Sterling. you would drop Raheem Sterling and put Jared Bowen in. No, you, you've gone to an extreme well, just, example just there, but I think I think he deserves uh, to be in the conversation. He will probably get what, a, a, a gig. He'll probably get a gig in the, in the friendlies or maybe the Nations League, but he's not going to go to the World Cup, is he? Back to what you were saying about players who could come out of the Championship. I wonder about Kiefer Moore at Cardiff, someone that they're desperate to sell now. They've got to uh, reduce the wage bill. Yeah, Bournemouth have shout. shown some interest, but he would seem to me... Uh, 
not quite a like-for-like replacement for Mikel Antonio, but certainly would pose the same physical threat that Antonio offers. Is Bowen going to get in ahead of Bukayo Saka? Foden? Now? As I said, there's a, there's a lot of competition, competition just, in that I area. I always stay quiet in moments like this because <laughs> you two are friends, so I just leave you to it. <laughs> Norwich have beaten West Ham once since 1994 and Ravel Morrison was in the team then. Uh, Leroy Furr and Gary Hooper scored for Norwich that day. That was eight years ago. Um, I mean, there's no chance of Norwich beating West Ham no, uh, this no. Wednesday I mean, night. And, and you know, the funny thing is, are Norwich really good enough to let Todd Count will go? No chance. And yet, yeah, but this, he is that's, going to leave the club. That's what they're like. That's what they are like. They have, they are, they're more... They've got this very holistic out, outlook and, you know, I, I, there's a point, part of me that admires the fact that they don't want to get themselves in trouble again, um, so they won't um, overspend, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, not they did before. So I, I get it. I understand it, the sustainability thing. But the idea of running a football club is to complete. The idea of playing football is to compete in matches. They have not competed this season. I'm sorry, I don't care what anybody says. They have not put up a con- a competitive, a compelling competitive um, streak of matches to try and stay in the Premier League. It just hasn't happened. I'm sorry. You know, I know Crooks took a lot of stick earlier on in the season. He did go a little bit too far about the whole bringing the integrity of the Premier League into question. But the the basic premise, and I probably started planting the seed in his mind because I was the one who was having a go about the mantra last season about this top 26 club thing, which I cannot stand as a as a sort of philosophy. It's, it, it's been absolutely abysmal from Norwich this season and their fans have all started to realise that now and they're all coming back to Crook and saying, you were right. Because he was. Yeah, that's what usually happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem with you, Crook, is that you are... Undervalued. Undervalued. <laughs> Right, that's it from us. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday to uh, look ahead to some cracking stories in we the Premier League. We didn't do Spurs. Yeah, it's not, it was rubbish, wasn't it? Yeah, they put out a rubbish team, they conceded a goal, and they won it in the last 15 minutes. Boring. Or <laughs> Tango and Ballet got booed off. We did that at the top. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean do you want to say something about gags. it? Go for it, go for that it. That was go. just your gags. Yeah, I know, but they, they are a gag. Okay, all right, fair enough. Well, what do you think? What, what would you like to say about it? Go on, Darren. The floor is open. Talk about Tottenham for oh, us. Well, there's too much pressure now. No, 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 no. Come on, you can do it. You can thrive under the pressure. You're the assistant editor of the Mirror. You're an award-nominated podcaster. Go on, carry on, carry on. Um, you're gorgeous. We like your voice, and we just like to hear you speak. <laughs> Talk to us, please, about Tottenham. No, all I was going to say, in all seriousness, is that yeah. um, even though they came out on top three, one. It really shames that group of players that had to call on three of their best ones to dig them out of a hole. And I think that I don't think it will change anything in Conte's thinking. Up to six, seven players could go in this window, should go in this window. The only reason that some may stay is because they can't afford to let too many of them go. They need to keep some squad players, but that squad isn't good enough for the top four. And I will be amazed if this window closed and there isn't some serious surgery and at least four players by the end of January. 
Okay. Uh, right, thank you very much to Alex Crook and to uh, Darren Lewis. So we're back on Thursday, looking ahead to the uh, Premier League uh, weekend. Keep listening to TalkSport. Thank you for downloading the Game Day podcast and thank you for all your support. Genuinely, I know it sounds a little bit sort of schmaltzy, but when we found out that we were nominated for uh, the Best Sports Podcast Awards, I did get a little bit emotional. It's true. Um, so thank you very much. We love you. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.